Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for just this time together. Lord, I'm so grateful to be with my brothers and my sisters for a time of prayer and worship and and uh, learning from your word. And so, Lord, just help me and help us to hear what you're saying through your word tonight because we want to be your disciples. We want to follow Jesus even to the very end of our life, our final breath. We want to look back and say, we followed you, Jesus, by the grace of God. And so move us in that direction tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the verse in view tonight, if you skip down to under letter A, Matthew 16, verse 27. So the first week we looked at essentially the first verse there, a little introduction. Then we looked at verse 25 and 26. There's two questions that Jesus asks. He makes three clear statements. You know, this is how you follow me. You take up your cross. You deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow me. Then he asks these two really important questions that often don't come up when we think about discipleship. Looked at that last week, and now tonight we look to two promises he talks about related to the call to discipleship. I would say this before we get going. Discipleship is, you know, it's, it's, to some it's this new term or it's, it sounds fancy, but it's, it's, it's just a word that means to follow him. How do we follow him? How do we learn to do that? I use the word discipleship. You'll hear that tossed around. Some people talk about it like it's just like a program we do for a few months or it's a, a book we go through. But the reality is we're all his disciples. We're all following him. And, and our goal as churches and ministries is to help people follow Jesus faithfully to the end of their lives. And so I use that term, you know, some people hear it and go, what's that? Or other people hear it and go, yeah, I took that course. I checked that off. Why are you still talking about it? But I, I use discipleship as we're all trying to do this to the end of our life. I look at it as the kind of the whole of our Christian experience is we're seeking to follow him. And so I'm encouraging us in that direction and wanting to point people there. Some people view the Christian faith as, well, I said that prayer like a couple years ago, I'm, aren't I good? And, and I'm glad you said the prayer, okay? That's awesome, but we need to learn how to walk with him. Jesus didn't say, you know, go say a prayer and you're good. He said, follow me. Take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. The, the implication is daily. The implication is the rest of our life. And so there is some confusion on that, and that's why I think the Lord put this on my heart is just to begin to provide a little bit of clarity as to what it really means to follow him, what, what the Christian faith is all about. We want to be faithful disciples, and we want to promote others to be faithful disciples. 
Okay, we don't want to leave people confused. Like, well, didn't I just say a prayer 10 years ago? Then I can live however I want and just say like words like grace and mercy and I'm okay. Well, not exactly. I mean, those are real words and they're powerful, but we have to do this day in and day out. Okay, I don't want to get too, too off the notes here, so let's come back to verse 27. Jesus, after the two questions, says this. He says, the Son of Man, referring to himself, that's a... That's a nod to the book of Daniel. The son of man, he's talking about himself, will come again. I'm going to pause real quick. I need the boys to turn down the volume to like 0.5 to 1 there. You're kind of at like 3. <laughs> All right. We, we will let you play basketball after the sermon. <laughs> All right. We good? All right. Thank you, sirs. So we have Jesus saying the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. The first half of that verse, he's talking about the return of Christ. The second half of the verse, and then he will reward each according to his works. So Jesus is is saying, I will come again. He's connecting this all to the call to discipleship. Which I think this is fascinating because he's, he's giving a radical call. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. If you want to come after me, you can. But it's going to involve being radical and denying, you know, everything you want. And, you know, it's going to involve the, there's going to be painful moments. You're going to have to take up your cross just like I do. So there's this radical call and then he connects it to him returning one day and him rewarding those who followed him faithfully. This is important because some people think of the return of Jesus or eschatology, which is the study of end things or end times, and this idea of being rewarded in heaven that's so ethereal and out there. Why do we even bother thinking about that? I just need to pay my bills and I need breakthrough on that. Well, here's the reality in 20 years of following Jesus, I can assure you that the call to discipleship connected with the, you know, the idea that he's coming back one day and he's going to talk to us about how we lived, that's all very intertwined. And, and those subjects motivate obedience in this life. So in other words, if I don't really think he's coming back, And I don't really think he's going to talk to me about my life. I'll live a certain way. But if I am deeply convinced he's coming back one day to rule and reign over the earth, and I'm deeply convinced he'll talk to me about how I lived, well, that's a little different. I I live differently when I really believe that. And here's the thing. This is is the, the truth of Scripture. This is the reality. He will talk to you individually about how you lived. That's coming. Here, here's the thing. We all have jobs where we go to our boss at the end of the year and boss, you know, gets out all of our paperwork and says, okay, well, you did this okay and that not so good and that you did great. And we get evaluated on that year or that half year or quarterly sometimes. We all do that in jobs. I've had jobs where, you know, that was a part of work. Anybody had a job like that? <laughs> you get your annual review coming up and you're like sweating, like, how'd I do? Some bosses give no feedback all year. Others give way too much. Some do it right. 
But, you know, we do this in life. We, we, you know, at the end of the year, we have our review with our boss or, you know, we have our, you know, portfolio meeting with our financial advisor and we kind of just check on things or whatever. But there is a really weighty meeting coming at the end of our life. And, and that meeting is our meeting with God. And we will talk to each other and he, he'll evaluate things. We're going to talk about that later. But I want you to just start to wrap your mind around this, that being a disciple involves us thinking regularly about the day he comes back and the day he will evaluate us. And why, why does he want to evaluate us? Because he wants to reward us. You know, when we start to talk about these things, some people get nervous because they never think about them. And they're like, oh my gosh, like eternity's real and Jesus is going to live here and well, that's crazy. And, and then he's going to talk to me about how uh, that's got implications. You really want to begin to wrestle with these things because they're really going to happen. There is going to come a day where Jesus comes back and he's going he's gonna to rule and reign and it's going to be really good. You don't have to be nervous about that, but... You want your heart to be set in that direction so that you can help people understand that's where it's going. It, the, the direction of the world is not going to be such that the whole world gets perfected and then Jesus comes back one day. That's not going to happen. Jesus is going to come back to a world that needs essentially rescued and he's going to be working with the church to help that. And so some people have this idea that, yeah, that's not that important. I just kind of want to live my life and, you know, pay my bills and work my job. And, and the Lord says, no, no, this is all unto you following me and the church being faithful and prayer ministries and missions ministries and all these things is, is all unto he will come back one day. And so we're helping prepare the world as much as possible and make disciples and win people to Christ so that one day he would come back to rule. Now, at that time, I'm not, I'm, tonight it's not my goal to do a deep, you know, a lay out a huge teaching on the return of Christ or the doctrine of the return of Christ or, or the doctrine of our final evaluation. I just kind of, I want to get it in our minds a little bit. Because, again, it's so foreign to many Christians. Maybe you're hearing this for the first time going, I've never heard the final evaluation. What? It's really going to happen. There's two promises he talks about. He says, I will come, the Son of Man will come, and he will reward each person according to their works. Let me just pause there. In the heart of God, God longs to reward us for our obedience to him. When we have that final evaluation, his real heart is to be able to have that one-on-one. -on -one. Let's say I'll just pick on you, Tim. He wants to, you know, sit down at the desk with all the papers out and everything. And say, Tim, you did it. Like the, the things I asked you to do, you did it. I, I mean, I saw everything and you really reached toward me with your heart. And so here's the reward for that. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to rule and reign with me forever. I've got this position over here. You're going to have this authority over all these people in this land over here. And he kind of points to the map. And, you know, there's, I don't know how it's all going to look because, I mean, we're talking about someone who made the whole universe. I mean, how much space is there? How much, 
you know, there's going to be so many job descriptions and there's going to be so many things that need done. And he says, you know, because you loved me, Tim, because you obeyed me, here's what I want you to walk into. I wish I had a map here to, <laughs> you're just going to have to take my word for it. But Jesus connected our commitment to him with these promises, okay? We, we, we want to be, we want our hearts understanding that it's, it's not just we're called to obey, obey Jesus for the sake of obedience, like that's the big point. No, the big point is he really is coming again. And we're going to see him. He's going to be like right there and we're going to talk. And he's going to have thoughts toward us and he's going to share things. I mean, he's going to say, Derek, you did the house of prayer. I mean, I know it was weird and it was hard and, you know, people didn't understand you, but I asked you to do it and you did it. And so that moved me and here's what that means for eternity. And so just, just begin, again, tonight's whole thing is just read that verse and just be, let it sink in like, oh, he is coming. Now, biblically, we set our hearts in, in this both and kind of tension. We set our hearts as if Jesus is coming quickly because the Bible says he's coming quickly. However, we also realize Jesus said he was coming quickly and 2,000 years have passed. And so 2,000 more might pass. We, we don't know. No one knows the day or the hour, but you and I are to live as if he could be coming sooner than we think or he could be coming later than we think. We just live in that tension. We give him all of our heart every day. We don't, we don't say, well, it doesn't look like he's coming, so I'll just do whatever I want. And if he does come back, then I'll just get real serious that last year. I've had people kind of say that sort of language, like, well, you know, when things settle down and I get married and have my family, I'll start going to church. Well, they never start going to church. Because when you take all those years and decades to not obey, it's not suddenly easy to obey. And so we set our hearts, Lord, you could be coming back in a matter of months, years, I don't know, or it could be thousands, but it really doesn't matter. I want you to come back. No one really knows. And so I'm setting my heart as if it's soon, but I'm also going to run the marathon faithfully if it's not. They're both scriptural concepts. So we, we don't like... It could be tonight, and so I don't know if I even need to pay my bills because Jesus could come back tonight. No, no, we don't do that. <laughs> Some people get really over-spiritual about it. If we think Jesus is coming back in months or years, we live just like if Jesus is coming back in a 1,000 years, okay? Now, again, Scripture is clear. There's many verses that say he's coming quickly, okay? But quickly to God who's lived for eternity might be 10,000 years. It might be 10 years, and so we don't know, but we live with our hearts. Lord, I want to just love you, whether it's soon, later. I don't want to have any regrets. You get the picture, right? Amen, amen. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. And so we live with this as, Lord, I want to be your disciple. You're coming again, and you're going to reward us. Now, let me just talk briefly. This is real brief. Okay, there is coming a day. I don't know if it's a little table or I don't know how this all works. I've got a few verses there in number four at the very bottom. 
1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, Matthew 25, 23. I could put a dozen more verses. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. The apostles talked about the idea of a future evaluation, also called the judgment seat of Christ. And this topic, excuse me, intimidates people because it makes it sound like well, if I lived a certain way, God's happy, and if I lived another way, he's not. And that's sort of, kind of, it's not really the point. The big overarching point that I want us to get, okay, is God in heaven longs to reward you for following his son. He longs to show an expression of gratitude forever. And I would point you, uh, Mike Bickle, who leads the IHOP in Kansas City, the House of Prayer there, he does very extensive teaching on the various rewards. I would point you, just go to his teaching library, mikebickle.org, type in eternal rewards. And there is so many documents. I mean, he's gone through like exhaustively and looked at every time a reward is mentioned in Scripture what it symbolizes, what it means. It's a truly fascinating study. I'm not going to get into all those tonight, but I just wanted to point you to a reliable source. I've gone through those teachings many times. He, he just took the time to put them all on paper. And so I would point you to that. There is this desire within us to make decisions that we know are going to get rewarded. Let me make that connection. If we know that at the end of the year, I'm going to talk to my boss, and based on how that meeting goes, I could get a raise or not, I will work a certain way because there's incentive involved. If I do a really good job, I might get a 5, 6, 7% raise versus if I do a bad job, I don't get a raise at all. That sort of incentive, you know, that, that that's provides the incentive to do a good job day in and day out. But if we believe God is going to reward us for eternity in certain ways, then it, it makes my days mean something and your days mean something. Let me give you an example here from Scripture. You know the story where the uh, the Lord in the parable of the talents gives out various talents, and some of them invested the talents, some of them didn't. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but do you remember the phrase that the Lord or the boss or the manager in the story, do you remember what he said? I have it written down there. <laughs> the, 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 the Lord or the manager or the boss said to the people who were faithful to invest the money, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This is, this is a description of what we will hear at the end of our life. If God gave us this little thing and we invested in it, and sought to grow it and sought to be faithful stewards of it, we will hear these words. Well done, Amber. I gave you this little thing, but you didn't just bury it because it was little. You worked on it. You invested in it. And it produced fruit. 
And so I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Let me say this clearly. Your faithfulness to what God's called you to in this life will translate to you ruling in the next life. And some people are like, what, ruling? There will be all sorts of jobs and descriptions and government and society in the new age, in the new earth. So when Jesus comes back, it's not like an ethereal place. It's a real place with real people. And there will be billions of people. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the number. The Bible doesn't say the number, but there will be so many people, so many jobs, so many things to do. And you will be given leadership commensurate to your faithfulness in, in this life. This is just one of the rewards Jesus talked about. And so if we just go, you know, discipleship, following Jesus, whatever, I don't know what kind of reward that, I don't think it's going to be some significant reward. The Bible is very clear that if we're a believer, we go to heaven, okay? We get in. Paul says this, Paul says, you know, if anyone's work, uh, or when, when Paul's talking about this subject, he, he calls it, there's coming a day where there will be, um, there will be like a fire that tests our work. It's like when we go before the Lord, there will be as if, as if we present before the Lord, like all of our work is like this physical thing. And then the fire of testing passes over. Was it for the Lord or was it for me? And Paul is saying, if it passes through the fire and it's still there and it survives the test, then you get a reward. But if you built something that was all about you or all about me and it wasn't for Christ, then it, the scripture says we suffer loss. It says that, that we're saved, but we're not rewarded for those things that were not done for him and his glory. And so that's Paul's, that's how Paul describes it. If we do what Jesus asks of us, if we do it faithfully, if we do it for him and for his glory, and no one does it perfectly. Jesus doesn't expect that. You know, no one's going to do ministry or business with, with no errors, you know. Jesus is so secure. He's so gracious. Um, but if we really, you know, if we make it all about us, I don't think that's going to be rewarded too much. But if it's for him, if it's, if it's something that we just say, Lord, it's only, your, only, only for you, only your way, that fire is going to pass through. And we're, I think we're going to get the shock of our life. Lord, my little thing that you gave me that no one even really knew about, like it gets that much reward and I get to be ruler over that region over there and I get this job over here and I get special clothes and I get a, I get a crown and what? Jesus is going to say, yeah, what you did meant so much to me. And, and again, there's many believers, and, well, I don't want crowns and robes and positions. And uh, Let me just give another example. Because we do this to our military men and women uh, who go out into battle and they, let's say they rescue someone in, in, in a very dangerous situation. We give them a, a purple heart or a silver star or we give something to indicate, you know, that was truly heroic. And they wear that. And we see them, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, the big ceremony. And they go, oh, my gosh, that is only given out to very few people. That is so special. 
That is similar to what we will receive. We will receive certain garments and certain accolades so people see Amber was faithful. Peg always was giving little gifts that, you know, maybe not too many people noticed, but the Lord noticed. And so she has the generosity badge, or I don't know what it's going to be called or what it's going to look like, but one thing's for sure. Are you ready for this? Every kind deed you have ever done will always be remembered by him. The ones you forgot, the ones everyone forgot, the things that you didn't even know were going to be rewarded, I assure you, he has an Excel spreadsheet of some divine order, and he's going to go, I saw that when you were seven, when you were eight, when you were nine, when you were 10, got a bunch of them when you were 11, and I saw when you did that, I saw how you forgave, he's going to remember everything. Here's the, here's, this is how amazing God is, because the Bible says that he's kind and gracious and compassionate and merciful. He forgets your sins, and he he says, I, well, technically, I know them, but I choose to not hold them against you. That's the idea. But all your kind deeds, I'm going to talk to you about them because I love it. And so we've got a list of sins this long. He goes, I'm not even going to talk about that. It's under the blood. But then you've got this list of good things. I'm going to reward you for that. And I'm telling you, when we know that's coming, He'll be very kind. If our heart's sincere like a David, like we made a lot of mistakes, but we got it right with God, and we kept signing up again, that was the difference between Saul and David. That was the difference between Judas and the other apostles, was if we're just sincere, we still make mistakes, but if we're sincere, we repent when we make mistakes, we truly resolve to obey him, we still have a list of sins real long. He says, I'm not going to hold that against you. That's under the blood of Jesus. That was taken care of at the cross. What I really want to bring up with you, though, is the long list that I want to reward you for. And I truly think we're going to be shocked because he's going to bring up the things that we have long forgotten. I mean, just think about when your friends called you up late at night and said, hey, my, my car's got a flat tire. You're the only one picking up your phone. Can you please come get me? Ah, it's midnight. I got to work in the morning. Why? Ah. You know, and... All the times you've ever done that stuff, bloop, entered into his Excel spreadsheet, bloop, bloop, and he's got this long list of every time you just had a gracious thought, every time you went the extra mile, he's got this big accumulation. And he wants others that are going to be in heaven to see your unique dedication. He wants other people to see that forever. And here's the thing, because we're going to have glorified bodies and renewed minds at the fullest measure in heaven, there won't be jealousy. There won't be like, oh my gosh, his crown's bigger than mine. We will be moved in the most righteous ways. When we see that Sunday school teacher that nobody ever, ever knew about, look at those garments. The Lord loves her so much. Look at the, the badge she has. Look at the assignment the Lord gave her. She gets to be the vine dresser in his house or whatever the job is going to be. You know, I kind of want to, you know, because I've watched these documentaries about where like revival breaks out and they have like the vegetables are like the like bigger than any vegetable that's ever been grown and they like taste better. And it's like, that's a sign of like 
of like a fully redeemed carrot, you know? And I, I kind of want to work in heaven, like in like the cilantro patches where like it's the best cilantro because it's like, if it smells that good in a fallen world, I, I think I'll just be just captivated in heaven where it's like perfect and our nose works perfectly and our taste buds are 100% and we can just fully take in what he meant cilantro to be. You know, I would just be so thankful to work in some of these gardens that he's going to have. It's going to be glorious. Look, look toward, look forward to that day where he comes and he rewards you because that will keep you motivated. We could live to be 100. I mean, that's for me, I just turned 40. It could be 60 years. I mean, there's people living longer like every year. There's people getting up into their 100 and, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 now. It's like we, even when we think we're old, it's like we could have 50, 60 years. And so we have to know, how do I set my heart to be obedient every decade? What, what's the thing that anchors me? And the Lord says it's right here in the call to discipleship. If you know I'm coming, if you know I'm coming to reward you based on how you've worked, based on what you've done, if, that's a, if that captivates your heart, you'll live a certain way. You'll do life different. You'll make different decisions. Ministry will be different. In other words, like if I know Jesus is going to reward me for every little thing, then I don't want to be spiteful toward that guy over there. I just want to bless him and pray for him because I know that that blessing and that prayer gets rewarded. And again, some people go, well, that sounds like works. No, I'm not trying to earn anything. I just want to live right so that on that final evaluation, I got what's coming. <laughs> because here's the thing. God is not insecure, right? He, he, he wants to give of his good treasures to us. He wants to just blow us away with reward. And if he wants to do that, why would I deny him that? Why would I just want to take my talent, bury it, and say, ah, God, he's, you know, he's unfaithful and he's going to do his thing anyway. God gives us these stories because that guy who buried his talent does not get the same reward as the guy who invested, even though it was only a little. This is such good news, friends. Come here with me, Okay. Some people tend to think, well, Reinhard Bonnke filled up whole, like, stadiums. He's probably going to get rewarded, but just me. All I do is teach Sunday school. Um, the Lord probably didn't even notice. Oh, it couldn't be further from the truth. Reinhard Bonnke was simply faithful. <laughs> if you're simple, simply faithful, you get the same reward. That was what obedience looked like for Reinhard, and he had to be faithful with that most of us just have to be faithful with Sunday school or a house of prayer or our job or whatever that is in this season. Be faithful with it. Be generous with it. Be kind to people. And you just start racking up these rewards. Okay? Now, here, here I love giving this scripture to people because many are of the, the mindset, well, when I stand before God, he's probably going to yell at me and rebuke me. Well, he's not like dad, okay? I, I don't know what your upbringing was like, but God is so beyond the worst parent or coach or teacher you had, and he's so beyond the best one. 
And in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul throws out this beach ball. And I just, he just wants us to just crank a home run when, he, when we see this thing. He just lobs out this revelation. He says, there is a coming a time uh, when the Lord comes that he's going to bring to light hidden things. Okay, and, and, and people read that and go, oh no, all the deep hidden things. It's the good things he's really talking about. The things that you don't even remember. The things that no one ever saw. The hidden things he's going to bring them out to the light to, uh, to, for everybody to see. And then he goes on to say, he's going to reveal the counsels of the hearts. So I'm going to reveal your pure motives. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really make sure everybody knows the purity of your own heart. I'm going to really make sure that the hidden things are brought out. And then he says this, that each one's praise will come from God. You know, we talk a lot about praising God. There's coming a day where God will praise you. <laughs> and that might make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, he's a real father and he will lavish, you serve my son. Oh, I love you, my daughter, my son. You just moved me here. I just want to give you this. I want to bless you with this. And I want you to rule in my kingdom forever. Oh, oh, Father, you're not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to earn anything. It's all by grace. No, no, knock that off. It's kind of like the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He had like rehearsed everything he was going to say. And I'm going to go back there and I am going to repent. And before he could get anything out, the father's running to him. He says, get this man a robe and a ring and shoes, kill the fatted calf, you know, get the party ready before any of this is out of his mouth. I want you to know God the father is really good at doctrine. Way better than us. And he really is secure about lavishing his praise on you. Just like any good father. My kids got home from school today. How was school, guys? Oh, it was great. I got an A on my test. Amazing. I love praising my kids. And I'm, I'm this evil, sinful husband, or father. Imagine a perfect father who knew that you reached for him your whole life, even though it wasn't easy and it was hard and you, you messed up and you, you two steps forward, one back, three back, forward, two back. You know, he, he sees that we all do that. But man, he is going to put the biggest bear hug on you and he is going to just make sure all of heaven knows how much you meant to him. And I'm excited for that. Each one's praise will come from God. There's coming a day that you're not just going to have the final evaluation because some people think, oh, the judgment seat of Christ, that's heavy. That is heavy. But for us who obeyed him, it's a really good meeting. He will praise you. He will reward you. He will give you an assignment that will just, just dazzle your heart. You know, I mean, you thought your assignment here, you know, there, there's good times, there's bad times, but, you know, the good times can be like, whoa, this is so fun. It's going to be so much better. I mean, I just think about whatever job you have in the next age, you know, on this perfected earth. I mean, imagine going to a job, no headaches ever, just never a headache ever. You wake up Monday mornings feeling great, no backaches. 
Imagine a world where perfect health exists. Only joy, and then Jesus is right over there. And he likes you. And by the way, you're wearing the gift he gave you, and he calls you over on Tuesday, hey, you know what, we're going to just, we're going to, do something over here and I just need you to go lead that and take some angels with you and a few friends and make it happen. Yes, Lord. Awesome. Okay. And it's just fun. That which God intended in the Garden of Eden is going to play out again. And I get it. We live in a fallen world where a lot of unbelievers especially would say, that's crazy talk. A lot of Christians think that's crazy talk. This is where the Bible says it's all going. We're, we're not following Jesus just for a big revival. I mean, I want that. That's part of God's plan, but there's something so much more gigantic than that. Even if that never comes, it's, it's okay. I want it to happen, but if not, what's, what's truly definitely going to happen, and I believe for a global end-time revival, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm pressing in for that, for real. Bless you, sir. You must want some blessing tonight. <laughs> Bless that man. But let's just say, theoretically, it's just hard from here till Jesus comes back. Whatever it is, he is coming back. That is a certain biblical promise, and it is going to be really good forever. And so, if you're hanging on by a thread, keep hanging on, okay? It's worth it to obey him as much as you can. Because he's coming, he's going to reward you, and you may think, well, no one knows me, and I've only done this little thing for the Lord, and he goes, that's all I wanted you to do. Don't compare yourself to Billy Graham, you know, like somebody like, ah, oh, if I could only be like Billy Graham, then maybe the Lord would notice me, and no, it's just you be faithful in your little thing, and I be faithful in my little thing, and we raise our few little kids, and we do our little ministry, and maybe a couple hundred people notice, or maybe a hundred million. It doesn't matter the numbers. All that matters is we do it faithfully. If Jesus gives us those five talents, we invest them. We, we seek to make them fruitful. Maybe a few more come, you know, like in the parable. And then one day he calls us into his office. Let's have that final report out. Uh, Amy, uh, Tim, well done. You, I gave you a few and you made it a few more. That's all I wanted. We're going to live together forever now. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Uh, I'm going to make you, I love this. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I, I love that. There's leadership waiting for many of you in this room. You don't think like, well, I don't know if I could lead. I tell you what, in a perfect Garden of Eden world, in a perfect body, and Jesus helping you, you're going to do great. Enter into the joy of your life. Man, we're going to be in such a joyous heaven forever. I, I just, I, I, uh, I, I'm a student of, you know, people who say they've been to heaven and they've experienced it and then the Lord sent them back. Some of it's hokey and some of it's real. So you got to have a little bit of discernment. But um, there's a guy who I think it's very legitimate. His name's Don Piper, not to be mistaken with John Piper, the famous theologian. But a guy named Don Piper got in a car accident, died, went to heaven, and then the Lord sent him back and he wrote a book on it. And he just described heaven. And he, it just makes you just go, oh my gosh. Like the best I ever thought, it was like a little sand, peak grain of sand compared to the whole sea. You know, it was this... 
He just said the way you felt, the joy, the, the, the worship was it just a thousand times more, you know, amazing. And the colors and just, and so what's in front of us is so beautiful. Keep going. Keep serving the Lord. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.